Welcome to the Telford Minster podcast. Thank you for joining us and listening along. Our vision is to make Jesus known in Telford. We hope that your attention is grabbed by Jesus today and what he is doing in your life. We are continuing in our autumn series, Pray Prayers of the People, taking time to look at some of the powerful prayers throughout the Bible, their lasting effects on God's people and how God is responding to and fulfilling those prayers and promises in our lives today. We hope this talk fills you up, and for more like this, subscribe to the podcast. Acts 4, verse 23 to 31. And it says this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do, you ra- why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you were anointed. They did what, what, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. Ian, let's invite you up. Let's pray for you. Father, thank you so much for Ian and for all that you've been doing in him over these last five weeks of being with us. As he comes to speak, Lord, speak through him by your spirit. Lord, and give us ears to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks uh, so much for having me over these past few weeks. It's been such a blessing uh, for me personally to to come here. And um, before I I disappear off the radar, or I'm hoping not to, but um, uh, before I come to the end of my placement, just know that you're very much in my thoughts and prayers and those of my family. And... um, I really believe that God is going to bless you as a church and um, that you're going to see wonderful and great things uh, happen uh, through Telford Minster. Um, and also, on a slightly selfish note, please do pray for me. Um, I'm not long off the end of my curacy, so I've got lots of thoughts about uh, the future. Um, so uh, please, if you could, keep myself and my family uh, in your prayers. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. So we've come to another powerful prayer in the Bible. And we're going to have a think about praying when it's tough. But uh, before we get there, I'd just like to go backwards and add a bit of context to the passage that we've just heard. Um, 
those of you who I've spoken to might have picked up that I'm a bit of a visual person, so I find it helpful to have an image or a picture to focus on while listening. Um, so hopefully um, Mike's going to put up some slides in the right order. Hopefully. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, and um, yeah, it's not, nothing fancy or anything, but just something that maybe will help you um, focus on uh, things while we're going through it. So let's have a brief look at how we got to this awesome and amazing prayer in Acts 4. So how did we get here? Well, firstly, the disciples have been with Jesus for three years and have seen him ascend into heaven. Next slide, please. <laughs> yes, that is Jesus on an escalator. <laughs> then... <laughs> So the, uh, so the disciples have been with Jesus for three years and have seen him ascend into heaven. Then they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which we read about in Acts 2, and thousands became believers. The believers really brought in and became the fellowship of the believers, not the fellowship of the ring. If it's the fellowship of the ring, you're reading the wrong book. The fellowship of the believers... And they met together in the temple courts and each other's homes, and they shared what we now call communion, and they even sold possessions to help their community. Then uh, outside the temple, Peter and John go to pray, and they find a beggar who Peter prays for and is healed. And then they tell the amazed crowd all about Jesus as a result. Then it all kicks off. Peter and John are seized, they're put in jail, and the next day taken before religious leaders called the Sanhedrin. They're quizzed about their actions and threatened before being released. And it's at this point we come to the reason for this prayer. The reason for this prayer is because they were threatened. They were threatened because the religious leaders felt threatened. In fact, the way of life that they knew was being threatened by the very gospel that Peter and John were preaching. Those who were the experts in religion and the law, those who considered themselves chosen and holy, had been upstaged by two former fishermen who had performed a miracle in Jesus' name. But not only that, when questioned about it, these unschooled, ordinary men were bold enough to suggest that the people of Israel, which mainly meant its religious leaders, were responsible for Jesus' death and even quoted scripture to them. The stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. As we know, Jesus had been rejected by Israel but is the cornerstone, the foundation on what we build our faith. So they didn't know what to do with Peter and John. They couldn't deny the miracle that they had witnessed themselves. And people were praising God as a result. So they commanded them to stop talking about Jesus, which Peter and John refused to do saying this, 
Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to Jesus? You be the judges. What do you do with that? Well, if you're a religious leader, you threaten them some more and some more again, and then you release them because there's nothing you can do. I wonder what your threats are. I wonder if you or I had been Peter or John, how we would have behaved in that moment. Would we have been so bold when threatened? Would we have allowed the spirit to speak through us or would we have been afraid and cowered in the corner? It takes great faith to be that bold, to let God use you in that way. What are the things that dent our boldness? What are the things that dent our faith? Every day, millions of Christians face persecution across the world. If they were caught meeting like we are now, they would be killed. This is a very real and present threat that they face, and yet they still meet. In this country, we are privileged enough to be able to meet freely in this way, and I think meeting together like this is so empowering for our faith. But I also think we face more subtle threats. You know, those threats that come up in the week, those threats that perhaps we even bring to church and we hide, those threats that the devil uses to try and come between us and God. It might be doubts that you have. It might be fears, fears of rejection. You might be afraid to love and be loved by God or others. Maybe you struggle to be a Christian at work or at home. Maybe you're addicted to something. Perhaps the idols of status, wealth, power, or other things come between you and God. Perhaps it's something to do with forgiveness. Do you need to forgive someone, or does someone need to forgive you? Maybe you're even suffering. You could be suffering in body, mind or spirit. Or perhaps just loneliness gets in the way. All of these things and more can threaten the very heart of our faith in Jesus. Like Peter and John, though, we can face them boldly with his strength and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And like those disciples, we don't need to face them alone. Because after they'd been locked up, after they'd been threatened, after they'd been thrown out, where did they go? To the pub? Did they catch the nearest Uber donkey and head out of town? No, they went to their friends. Verse 23 and 24 of our reading. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. 
there's a reason they're called the fellowship of believers. Not only do they share wealth, food, shelter, not only do they read and study the scriptures together, but together they deal with their threats. Together they raise their voices in prayer. Together they pray when it's tough. I have no doubt that this fellowship of believers had to deal with most, if not all, of those subtle threats that I mentioned a moment ago. They also had to deal with a very real threat of cheesed-off religious leaders who didn't want them talking about Jesus. But the thing is, as a fellowship, as a community, they had each other. Like them, as Christians, we are adopted into God's family. So we are sisters and brothers in Christ. As it says in Galatians, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And so, sisters and brothers in Christ Jesus, I want to ask you, who are your friends? Who are the people that you surround yourself with? Do you feel that you are part of this fellowship of believers here at Telford Minster? Or perhaps you're just here to have a good time on a Sunday afternoon. You see, to feel supported in our faith and to support others in our faith, we have to commit to the family. We have to be part of the fellowship. The definition of fellowship is a group of people meeting to pursue a shared interest or aim. When we face tough things, to continue to grow in our faith, we have to be pursuing the same aim of following Jesus together. If we're just here for our own consumption and to have a good time, then what's the point? Because when the threats come, and they will, if you're not part of the family, then where do you go for support? Last year, I lost my father to COVID. It was during the uh, first wave back last April. And I can honestly say it's one of those times where I felt so close to God. And I really believe the reason for that is because of my family. Not not my blood relatives in that sense. Yes, they were important and they were a support. But my church family, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. There were phone calls, there were messages. there There was just so much love outpoured and so much support. And because of that, and because I felt held in prayer, I felt closer to God. I felt his peace. I felt his comfort. If you're struggling with something and you want that support, join the family. If you're someone who likes to offer support and help others, join the family. 
now seen how community is being built here and being built in this family of Telford Minster. But I'd like to encourage you, if you're not part of a village, let me encourage you to join one. Because by meeting together like the believers in Acts, not just on Sundays but in the week, by sharing life together in all its pain and suffering, but also its joys and encouragements, we become stronger in faith together. Take a moment to have a look at those sat around you. Some of them you may know, others not so much. We all have a story and there may have been things that we've been through, there may have been miracles that we may have witnessed, truths about how God has been involved in our lives by, by getting to know others, we discover their stories. By getting to know others, we share and pray together. And in meeting to read and study God's word, we discover Jesus more. And on that note, going back to the believer's prayer, we can also see that they knew scripture. I've already mentioned how Peter and John quoted scripture to those who had spent their lives studying it. And we can see not just the use, but the understanding of scripture in the believer's prayer. From verse 25, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. The believers here are quoting Psalm 2 as part of their prayer. And the reason for why follows in the following verse. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. You see, the believers are applying this psalm of David to the actions of Herod and Pilate. And the religious leaders who we know were instrumental in Jesus' death. And they also acknowledged that though God did not drive their evil actions, he used them in his plan to bring salvation through Jesus' death and resurrection. The believers recognise the prophetic voice of scripture, which in turn empowers their prayer. I wonder if your prayers are influenced by the living and active word of God. There are a few ways in which knowing our Bible helps us to pray in powerful ways. It teaches us to know who God is and who we are when we come before him in prayer. We can also pray the prayers of those who have gone before us. The Psalms, as I've just mentioned, the Disciples' Prayer, 
the prayers of the prophets and even some of our fellow, fellow saints. And this can be especially pray, uh, helpful when you don't know how to pray. And by hearing God's voice through the Spirit, we are quite often guided to passages or verses in the Bible that speak to the very heart of whoever or whatever we are praying for, which can bring comfort, joy and peace. Just like the believers, scripture empowers our prayers today. Now, you don't have to have done 10 years at Bible college, understand Greek and Hebrew. Yes, we need such wonderful people, scholars who can translate and decipher because this adds life, meaning and understanding and depth to scripture. But you don't have to be some great theologian to know your Bible. I'm dyslexic and so I struggle to keep things in my head. It's why I need pages of notes. So I'm no good at remembering exact chapters and verses of the Bible. I can tell you where a lot of things are, but a lot of the time I have to go away and look things up. But this doesn't mean that I don't know the story. It doesn't mean I don't know who God is and what he is like, who Jesus is, how the Spirit works. Because through reading my Bible daily... I may not be able to quote chapter and verse all the time, but I know my Bible. Is there anyone here old enough to remember cassette tapes? A few of you. That's a relief. <laughs> so those of you of uh, more mature years, shall we say, uh, might remember cassette tapes. I have very fond memories of travelling in the car with my family as a child eight hours up to Scotland to see Gran and we'd go through several cassette tapes. One of the cassette tapes was by a singer-songwriter uh, who, if you're old enough, you might remember. He's before my time, but definitely my parents' time. Uh, and he's called Don Francisco. And he's got a song and it's got this line in it. It says... It doesn't matter if you know the Bible, if it's all just in your head. What matters to me is have you done the things I said? Now to me, this sums it up. Is it about knowing your Bible? Or is it about knowing your Bible? Does the voice of Scripture empower your prayers the believers knew their scripture and because they knew it they knew who God was which empowered their prayer this prayer so much so that it continues as they prayed for boldness and opportunity not safety verse 29 now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Not, now, Lord, take them away. It's important to note the difference. 
Now, I'm not saying that they didn't want God to take those threats away. I'm not saying they didn't want God's protection. But having just prayed about God using evil actions to turn them for good, the believers know that God simply smiting the religious leaders from existence may not be part of God's bigger plan. So instead they pray, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Don't take them away, God, but use them, use us to spread your word. But do more than that, Lord, verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Wow. Here, the believers are reflecting the attitude of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Like Jesus, they are under threat. Things are tough, and yet they are willing for God's will to be done. I wonder if, like them, we can pray for boldness and opportunity when things are tough. I wonder what you do when you're under threat, when your faith is under threat. We're all different and we deal with tough things differently. Whether it's pain, suffering, addiction or something else, we all have our strategies or we learn new ones to cope and adjust. The Bible is packed full of people who face tough times and threats. And they defeated them or they lived through them with God's help. Because of their story because of their testimony and in many ways their willingness to be bold and say, yet not my will, but yours be done, we are here today. This has become our story. Earlier I asked you to look around at those sat near you and I wonder what amazing stories of God's grace you all have. You've heard one of mine and I challenge you to share yours because God's story isn't finished yet. And like those in the Bible, you have a story to tell. If nothing else, you have the story of the cross and how you sit beneath it, forgiven, redeemed, made holy in God's sight, all through the blood of Jesus. If you and I follow the example of the believers in Acts, we know that we can face anything tough with God's help, with the help of our church family and by knowing our Bible. And so we can pray for boldness and that our threats would be turned into opportunities. And when we do so, 
I believe, like in verse 31, the ground is going to shake. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with the word of God boldly. Are you expectant for the ground to shake as we pray boldly? Are you expectant for the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us to grow God's kingdom in Telford? I can't hear you. Let me ask you again. Are you expectant for the ground to shake as we pray boldly? Are you expectant for the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us to grow God's kingdom in Telford? I'm so pleased you said yes. As we said yes, I'd like us all to pray this prayer. It'll come up on the screen. It's already there. <laughs> Let's pray this together. Lord, consider our threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Amen. Amen. Now I'm aware that there may be some of you who struggle to pray that prayer. And it could be that you're currently going through something. It could be that currently one of those threats is very present. So we're going to take some time. We're going to ask the Spirit to come. And we're going to ask God to consider your threats. We're going to ask God to turn your threats into opportunities. Just where you're sat, maybe take a bit of time. Speak to those around you. Share your stories if you have one. I know sometimes it can be difficult to share things that are painful, but this is your family. Share what's hurting you. Share what's getting in the way of God. And then pray together. And while we're doing that, if anybody has a word, uh, anybody has a picture, please come forward and share it because they're so encouraging. And they're so wonderful at building us up in our faith when we know God speaks to us directly. And sometimes that comes through somebody else.